Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fucksicans? What the fuck amolins? What the fuck areekins? What the fucking ucks? What the fuck, you pie Wall Streeters? That was a good one. Someone sent me that one. That was a good one. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. I'm doing okay. I'm having some sort of sugar coma or something. Something is happening. Let's do some stuff first. I am going to be at the Punchline in San Francisco, November 2nd through 5th. I am going to be at the Neptune Theater on November 25th in Seattle, Washington. Looking forward to that show. They just started selling tickets to uh, my show at the uh, Wilbur Theater in Boston. That's on January. I don't have it in front of me. God damn it. Wilbur Theater, Boston in January. I'll get more specific on that one as time goes on. I don't want to plug the shit out of everything way in advance. But uh, Hannibal Burris is on the show this evening. This evening, it's nighttime for me, but it might not be nighttime for you. It's probably Thursday morning for you. If it is Thursday morning for you, I might want to tell you this. I did a little research. Hannibal Burris, Burress, Hannibal Burress, sounds the same either way, is performing at the Atlanta Punchline at Atlanta, Georgia, uh, tomorrow. That would be the 21st and 22nd. I just, I'm doing a little community outreach for my buddy Hannibal. So he'll be there. I'm going to be talking to him in just a second. Let's do some business. Got a big cup of uh, WTF blend, justcoffee.coop, right here in front of me. Pow! Wow! Yep, it happened. A lot of people ask me if I'm really drinking just coffee. I'm drinking just coffee. I drink way too much just coffee. I think it might have something to do with what's going on in my body. So anyways, I go to the doctor. I know some of you are hanging on uh, on uh, hand and nail or tooth and face or whatever the fuck the saying is. Here, you know what this is, though? Before I Let me explain to you what happened today. I, uh, I'm i on this slow carbs thing because I got a little heavy. I know a lot of you think, like, you're not heavy. Shut the fuck up. But look, you know, if I get 10 pounds higher than what I want to be, then I'm heavy. All right? I, don't, I like to be under 180. Do you have a problem with that? My 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 weight that I'm supposed to be at for my age or for, or for my height is, is 175. But I know in my heart that my head is too big to be 175. I'm a slightly deformed in that. I have a, a slightly large head that if I lose too much weight, I look like a fucking bobblehead doll. A Mark Marin bobblehead. That's what I look like. So I don't get that thin, but I was up close to 190, wanted to get below eight, uh, 180. Just below 180. That's all I want. So I got on that slow carb thing, which means you eat the slow carb diet the uh, four-hour body or whatever the hell it's called. I'm not reading the book. The book seems crazy to me. I just looked at what you can and can't eat, and I, I just do it. But you get a cheat day. Now, this is the kind of drug addict I am. My girlfriend, Jessica, went ahead and for my birthday, bought me a fucking ice cream maker. Now, for me, the best thing I can hope, if some of you know my material, is I really can't handle having one of those in the house. The best thing that can happen to that ice cream maker is that eventually it just ends up in the closet and six months go by and we go, oh, fuck, we're going to, well, you want to do it or I don't even know where the instructions are. That's the best thing that can happen to an ice cream maker. But the, you know, it's just a couple of weeks since my birthday. So I got that thing out. I made peanut butter cup ice cream. I made vanilla ice cream with egg yolks, real vanilla, peanut butter cup ice cream with peanut butter. So I'm on this fucking diet. I can't eat it. I only get one cheat day. Today was the fucking cheat day. This was it. So I got a tub of the vanilla I made and a tub of the peanut butter cup ice cream I made in there. And today uh, I got up. I went and met my friend Steve for coffee. We talked about, you know, the big stuff, the big work. We did our, our, our weekly conversation. Uh, then I got home and well, I had a muffin at the coffee shop, slammed a muffin into my face because on this diet, you can't eat nothing white, no, no flour, no dairy, no sugar, no, a lot of stuff you can't eat, but you can shove a lot of meat and beans and vegetables into your face. But all I've been thinking about is this goddamn tub of ice cream. So then I go to In-N-Out Burger by myself because I figure if it's a cheat day, let's fucking go to town. I go to In-N-Out Burger. I get myself a double double and I bring the wrapper home. You know why I bring the wrapper home? Because... There's biblical verses on the wrappers of In-N-Out Burgers. I know that some of you know this. They don't write the whole verse. They just give you the number. So on my wrapper, 
It says Nahum. I don't even know that book, but I'm not a biblical guy. Nahum 1.7. So, of course, not being a biblical guy, but nonetheless looking for something to do to avoid writing, I say bring that rapper home and let's look up Nahum 1.7. But this rapper is like, it's a double-double burger, In-N-Out burger, quality you can taste on the back. In-N-Out has been has wrapped its products in paper since 1948. The first In-N-Out opened in 1948. All our burgers are made with fresh beef. That's never frozen. Our buns are made without preservatives. The old-fashioned way from real sponge dough. We hand-leaf our lettuce every day. Our fries are peeled and diced daily from fresh Kennebec potatoes. We've cooked our fries in 100% cholesterol-free oil since 1948. In-N-Out burger. And then just right there in the little corner of the wrapper, Nahum 17. Nahum 17. So I go home and I'm like, what the fuck is Nahum 17? Why don't they just write it on? Because that would be a little, I don't know, maybe intrusive. Maybe they made a decision. I think it's something to do with the owner wanting to have, he's a biblical guy. Something. I'm not exactly sure what. So I go home and I look up Nahum 17. The Lord, this is from the King James Version. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. And I, I'm glad that wasn't on my burger wrapper because I don't know if I would have been able to really handle the burger. Because if you're sitting there thinking about that, how are you going to enjoy the burger? I mean, in in and out burger, the burger is God. You're there for the burger. The burger's there to answer your questions. The burger is there to fill your hole. The chocolate shake is there to fill your hole. The all-you-can-get ketchup and that you can get yourself and dip those fucking fresh Kennebec potatoes in and shove them into your pie hole and then try to suck on that chocolate shake that always takes about 15 minutes to get soft enough to drink. That's the God of in and out burger. That's why you're there to fill a hole. So now I got to come home and get a spiritual lesson. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. What do I need that for now? I already filled my hole. My God hole was filled with In-N-Out burger, chocolate shake, and French fries in a tub of fucking peanut butter cup ice cream that I made. This is useless to me now. Useless to me. Had it been on there in its entirety when I was eating the burger, perhaps I would have checked myself. Perhaps I would have held up the hamburger and I would have held up the wrapper. And on the wrapper, it said, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knoweth then the trust in him. Holding that on my wrapper and holding the burger in one hand saying, I have a false idol. I have a false idol. There's nothing I can do now other than to shove this false idol into my mouth. And then... Throw the wrapper away. So I got a little Bible lesson. And I was happy with the the course of my worship today. I was happy to pray at the Shrine of In-N-Out Burger. So onward to the doctor. I told you I was going. I told you there was an omen at hand. I told you about the black cat outside with the fucked up face and the cock eyes that I'd never seen, that I saw as a hellcat, as a messenger of some sort of uh, you know, coded, cryptic uh, omen, something I didn't understand. Why had this cat come into my life and rippled my reality grid? Why had it done that? I thought it was a foreboding of my visit to the urologist as you know as a jew as a jewish man uh, when you visit a urologist that's a, a rites of passage that's when you officially become an old jewish man there's the bar mitzvah and then there's the the uh the first urologist appointment that's the second part and there's you get no money for the uh for that one you don't get any money to go to the urologist office you just you, you go in hopes that that everything is going to be okay and that it doesn't hurt, and that you are detached enough not to be humiliated when you're being examined at a urologist. Now, I, I got to be very honest with you about the conversation I had with you last time about organs, about kidneys, about my discomfort in talking about these things is because I don't think about dying. I don't know that I accept the idea of death. I don't know that I know that I'm old. I'd like to think that I'm like, hey, man, you die and that's it. Okay. 
But then I got, I'm sitting here with a burger wrapper that I'm bringing home and I'm looking up biblical verses. So, you know, something ain't right. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting around looking at black cats thinking they're omens and I'm bringing home burger wrappers. So there's something not grounded, not at ease in my soul. So I got some problems. I'm having some problems in my groinal region. Nothing too bad, just some, uh, a little bit of pain in a certain area. And I went to my regular doctor and she did the thing with the finger and said, I don't know, uh, you might have some prostatitis happens. Take these pills, see what happens. It should go away. I'm like, all right, doesn't go away. A couple weeks later, a month later, still feel a little not right down there. All right, well, let's send you to the urologist. The urologist. Oh, man, who picks that specialty? Why? I guess it's a good racket. Everybody's got one of them who's a man and some women, but they usually start men. I don't know if they, the ones that they attach are officially, I don't know. Look, I I don't need to get into sexual politics. I go to this urologist. You never know what you're going to get. This was the most efficient urology practice I'd ever seen. I've been in a lot of doctor's offices because my dad uh, is a uh, defrocked physician. And um, so I grew up in hospitals. But I'll tell you, when you go to a hospital, when you're sitting in that waiting room with other people and you see old men with their canes moving around, moving out, you see people waiting. It's like, oh my God, this is where we all end up. If you're lucky, this is where you end up. You go to doctors to make sure you stay okay. That's like when you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. I never really thought about it before, but they always, they're always going to doctors because that's what happens when you hit a certain age. You got to go find out whether or not you're okay. Am I okay? Am I okay? Does this thing, this thing doesn't feel right. Is it right? Will you look at it? Can you do the thing? Am I all right? So I got to go to the urologist, a nurse or a, a one of the people. I don't know what she is. A woman who works there was wearing the proper outfit right on time. Three o'clock, my appointment. Bang, three o'clock. Marin, yes, here you go. Here's a cup. Here's the bathroom. Pee in the cup. Leave it there. She picks it up. Not even thinking twice. Very confident. Very efficient. Date of birth. Boom. Labels the cup. See you later, P. All right, go wait in the doctor's office. Doctor comes in. How are you? What's going on? Young guy, beard. And these are those moments where I think about mortality because I think I'm sitting in a doctor's office. I see his diplomas. I see pictures of his children. I see that he's a man that's probably 10 years younger than me. And I'm thinking, what have I fucking done? Where are my goddamn diplomas? Where are my kids? Jesus Christ, I'm just sitting here wondering if my, my cock is okay. My balls are still working. And that the thing inside of it that makes them both feel good and can generate one of those things in those pictures is functioning properly. So he asked me what the symptoms are and then I'm, on that, I'm in that weird place where I'm like, do I use my language? And I say, yeah, well, you know, there's that area under my balls. So I say that, and he doesn't flinch. He knows I'm a comic, so I figure he's used to that. But you're supposed to use clinical. I mean, are you supposed to say penis and testicles? I can't. Who says testicles? Anyways, whatever the case, here's what I learned. I go in, I get the examination. And I'm not, I don't want to talk about this, but this just happened. And this guy was so smooth, so quick, I could not believe it. They did an, he did an ultrasound. I didn't know they did ultrasounds of uh, prostates and bladders. Did you know that? Congratulations. It's a tumor. No, not didn't happen. Looked at my bladder, said, uh, uh, did you uh, did you go to the bathroom? Yeah, I did. I said, he said, well, there's still some in there. I'm like, okay, great. That's good to know. So we're going to need it in a minute. Oh, something to look forward to. But then comes the point where he's like, uh, roll over. It's going to be a little discomfort. And, and you're laying there naked with the guy. And, you, you know, it is what it is. You know, the, I, I'm, not, I'm not uncomfortable naked, but it's just sort of weird where everything's clinical. I'm like, yeah, kind of right here. It hurts a little, but I think I'm okay. And I don't, I don't know. What do you think? All right. So he says, turn over and I'm going to do this. And the glove goes on. You know what's going to happen. But I didn't even feel it, man. Didn't even feel it going in until it was in. And in that moment, I realized, holy shit. If somebody wants to get something into your asshole, they're going to get it in there. All right, it, the asshole is not designed to stop things from coming in. It's only designed to keep things from coming out unless you want them to come out. That was very scary to me. I don't know what you're going to do with that information, but I'm just telling you, if somebody wants to put something in your ass, there's very little you can do about it with your ass. So uh, just keep that in mind when you're traveling, whatever. I, I don't know what the point of that was. So he does this examination, which, you know, kind of 
you know, depending on you know, how you're feeling about it, it's not a bad feeling. The prostate's fairly sensitive, and but my was a little, little tender. But he said, look, I, I don't think there's anything there that I can diagnose. This is just something that you might, it might come and go. You might have to live with. And it was at that moment where I'm like, holy fuck, I'm, I've just graduated. I'm old guy. You mean occasionally I'm going to have prostate discomfort? Occasionally I'm going to be aware that I, I am the possessor of a prostate? That's the future? But it was it was a humbler. It was just a humbler because there's nothing you can do, man. Shit is going to go bad inside you. That's part of the game. Accept it. Humble yourself. And if you if you're really feeling lost, you can always take home your uh in and out burger wrapper, see what you get. So now, you know, I've been thinking about kids. I've been talking about kids and finally somebody sent me a letter to uh to with some opinions about it you know outside of like don't do it you can't have one don't do it it's a mistake kids subject line hey mark i have a 20 month old kid and like you i postponed having it for a long time i'm only 32 but my girlfriend had wanted it for years as hard as it can be sometimes it's truly worth it the arguments you have with Jessica now will be 10 times worse because it will involve another person forming a two versus one scenario, usually against the father. And because your sleep pattern is erratic. Anyways, all that eventually settles and it becomes part of your day to day. And honestly, you start to feel sorry for anybody who doesn't have a kid. Even if you see George Clooney in a magazine, you'll look at him and think, poor George, he must be so miserable, even though you know he's probably having the time of his life. It might all be some chemical trickery the brain conjures to convince you not to throw the baby into the river, but you really feel proud when you have a kid. Think of think of the greatest joke you ever written. Now imagine that joke taking a life of its own and moving around and making you laugh. That's life, man. Your show is great, Alex. P.S. You don't look 47. Yeah, Alex, tell that to my prostate. <laughs> Turn that air off. We'll try to ride it out as long as we can. I can do it, man. Yeah? Yeah. Where were you brought up? Chicago. So, you know, heat in the summer. Is it humid there? I can't remember. Yeah, it's, it gets horrible in the, in in the Chicago. summer. <laughs> like, in the summer, it's deathly horrible. I Where mean, people die. That oh, happens. That's, that's right. Where it's seven people died. It got too hot. Yeah, how do you die? It's hot. It just got really hot, and they... <laughs> <laughs> they die. They just, <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> These are not. usually older people that didn't that, that didn't, didn't leave, or they just sat in the heat, and thought that they could take it. Yeah, I have been through in New York horrendous humidity, but here it's dry, so it just sucks it out of you. You yeah. don't you don't feel all wet and damp and like there's a weight in the air. You just all of a sudden you're like, I gotta lay down and die. Yeah, like you know you're dying in Chicago. Yeah, you feel it. Or you just stay in until it's late. Yeah. And then even late at night it'll be it'll it'll be hot, but it's just a slower kind of It's just dying. A, that and humidity feel, though. It's disgusting. It's yeah. horrendous, man. You can never escape it. I'm so fucking happy to be away from there. I forgot that Chicago had it. I don't know why it has it. It's not well, it's got you got the lake. I don't understand humidity. I don't I don't understand it either. I don't think no, there's any reason for us to try to figure it out. There are people that know how to do yeah, that. Yeah, that's their thing and it's, we <laughs> should focus our efforts into what we do well. <laughs> In the garage, Hannibal Burris uh, came out of nowhere actually. We had it scheduled, but I apparently uh was uh, had my head in travel. <laughs> you know when you travel and you're just like I just got to get home. I don't fucking, you know, know what's going on there. I have to get home. And then it takes you a couple hours. I'm happy to see you. I mean, don't get the wrong idea. Oh, no problem. You just got back in today? Literally two hours ago. Oh, wow. From Canada. Dang. Yeah. So you do, now you've been to Canada. I've been to Canada a couple times. To Montreal? To Montreal, uh, Toronto, and Vancouver recently. Now that's a fun place. It's Van a pretty place. It's very nice. I was there the, the for game seven. Oh, when shit got out of hand? Yeah. That was exciting. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was really weird. I watched the game in a bar with a bunch of Canucks fans. Yeah, and at first I was neutral, but then uh, after Boston scored the first goal, yeah. I just started chanting USA, USA. I just wanted to mess with people for some reason. Yeah, and how'd that go over? 
I mean, it was I, I wasn't being too horrible about it. I was with a couple people that I knew that. But wasn't that, I mean, who got, why were there riots? I don't know. It was very silly to destroy your own city. But it was because they lost. It's because the, they lost to the Boston. Game, to Boston. But they, they threw over, like, you flipping a car, it has British Columbia plates. That's I, <laughs> But I never understood that in riots in general of any kind. People yeah. just destroying their own shit. Yeah, it, it, win or lose, it is silly to destroy your own city. You have to come I guess you past just it. Can't, uh, can't, um, you just can't uh, control your own excitement or your own contempt. Yeah. Something's got to be thrown over. I don't, SC is super, just go home and... <laughs> Your life is still pretty much the same, if whether they win or lose. I mean, if they win, have fun, drink, and yell, but yeah. you don't have to break anything. Well, I mean, so people get very invested in it. Like, I was just up there, and there's a type of loyalty to sports. I'm not a sports guy. I didn't, yeah. I didn't grow up giving a shit. I don't give a shit now. But some people hang their entire sense of self yeah. and belief system. It's all about the sports and the stats and who wins. I'm a huge sports guy. You are? But I, I catch myself. I'm from Chicago, so big Bulls fan. And the Bulls got kicked out. And they, uh, again, they were playing the, the Heat. They lost in game five, which was a game they should have won. Yeah. And for a few minutes, I was bummed out about it. Then I realized, oh, wait, my life my life is still the same. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Nothing changes. <laughs> Nothing changes. So oh, let me just go back and, and, and have fun. So, all right. So Chicago, now, like with you, you're a very funny guy. Thank you. Uh, enjoy your stand-up. And I don't know where the hell you came from, <laughs> but, I, but you're... <laughs> But you're of a different generation than I am, so yeah. I have to cop to being somewhat out of touch. <laughs> but I mean, you took the the scene sort of by storm. Like, I mean, there was just a, like it happens. I've seen it happen before in my life, where all of a sudden everyone's mentioning your name, and I'm like, who the fuck is Hannibal <laughs> Burris? What makes him so fucking good? Now you did you started in Chicago, which is now known primarily as an improv town. Were you? Yeah. But were you the same generation of like Canaan? Kanane was a little bit ahead of me. Like but my you got first to second year, he moved to L.A. Okay, so he was already kind of established in Chicago when I was pretty new. And when you started out, what was the scene like? Were you doing comedy clubs or just alternative rooms? I was doing wherever, man. I actually started out in my college town, Which Carbondale, was Illinois. What the, I don't even know where that's that is. Southern Illinois University, mm -hmm. and I performed there. I went on at open mics there, which was really cool because. Early on, it's such a small environment, and it's kind of encouraging. <laughs> where, sure, sure, everyone likes you. Yeah, you do. You, I do a set in my college, and then yeah. you know I'm walking to the cafeteria, and people say, "Yeah, you said that one bit," <laughs> and so you get. I got a rush from it immediately. Whereas people yeah. were repeating things that I said to me, and I've been doing comedy for one month. Yeah, <laughs> so you're so, like, that was it. You're it was, in. A, it was a supportive environment. And, How many kids at that school? I think about 20,000 at the oh, school. Oh, so it's big. It's a big school, but small town. It's but, about half of the population of the town. It's 20,000 in the town, I think, 25,000. Were you doing gigs at the uh, school or at a club? I would do, little... It was a, there was a one-nighter at this place called Muggsy's, mm -hmm. and then I would open up when they would have comedians come on campus. I would try to get on and open up for them, and I would also, I, I started hosting an open mic, and I was just trying in to In town or at the over. school? Uh in town, okay. off campus. All right. My friend had an open mic in his house, actually. That's a really small open mic. Yeah, but it was a music and, and everything open mic and, and poetry, so it was all types of people. At uh, the house? At this house. It was, was it in like his a bedroom, and he had he had turntables set up, and he would DJ. How many... How, how big of a room was this? I, I mean, mean, it was a it was fifteen people or something being there. Fifteen, it was some people popping their head in the window from outside. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> and it got too big for his uh, bedroom, so it moved to the living room. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when the show went downhill. Once the room got big, it got commercial. <laughs> Exactly. How what, was it? A group house, like when them college group houses? Yeah, he had a couple roommates right, and right. stuff. But yeah, it was really fun. I, I, I look, that was and a what, fun time. What were you studying over there? I studied a bunch of things. I, had, I mean, what'd you major in? Uh, my first major was business, but then there was this class called finite math. That, yeah, that I couldn't handle, so I switched. How does that look? Not handling it, you were just like, ah, this I just, is not. I, I could have probably focused and got it together, but I, I decided I didn't need finite math in my life, and <laughs> I knew that even at eighteen, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I don't need. Finite I'm not, math. I can't. Uh, I'm not. I have no. I, I can't do math. Period. Yeah. I mean, I, it's amazing that I'm 47. I'm like just a dumbass. Like I don't. I can't wrap my brain around algebra. Nothing. Yeah. 
I think I'm a pretty good math guy, but finite math. What does that even mean? I don't. I still don't know what it means, <laughs> and I haven't even pursued it beyond that to see what about it made me struggle. I see, just, now what might happen is you'll get into your 40s or 50s, and you'll be like, I'm going to revisit that finite math because I think I'm older now. Yeah. Maybe I could handle it. <laughs> no? No, nah, it'll be trauma. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you end up getting a degree in? I didn't get a degree. I left because I was just really focused on, on doing stand-up. So I kind of, I, I, I really lost focus with classes you just bailed kind of bailed i started missing classes and and just really doing stand-up man and, and what do your uh, folks think of that what's they your... oh they were very cool with me wasting thousands of dollars uh-huh. <laughs> nah they they hated it wait so wait you're gonna quit oh, school and then come stay in our house and uh-huh. do open mics <laughs> Is that, which which parent was that uh, that both was probably both of them, but my dad was more vocal about it. And what kind of uh, background do you, what, do you come from? What, what's his story? He uh, he works at Union Pacific, the railroad company. Oh, really? Yeah. Doing what? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> he just accepts what he says. And, I just, it was like, he goes to work, <laughs> he comes back, he... <laughs> Paid the bill. You know what I don't need to know detail. He works. He took care of the family. He works there. Could you at least travel for free or anything? No, no traveling for free, but you know what? It's all right. You did all right. The family had health insurance. (laughs) Don't ask any questions, kid. And what about your mom? My mom worked at a psychiatric hospital when I was a younger kid, and then she she started working as a teacher's assistant at 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 the Lutheran school. The school I actually went to from kindergarten to sixth grade, but she didn't work there while I was a student. Was she a nurse? No, she wasn't a nurse. She just worked at the psychiatric hospital? I don't know exactly what she did either. You I should have talked with them more, huh? Man, maybe a little. There's still time. <laughs> Are they around? Yeah, they're around. Maybe you can pick up some of that stuff you missed. <laughs> yeah, if I knew a family member worked at a psychiatric hospital, I'd be asking a lot of questions. She did tell some stories about how patients kind of... One of them, they might have spit in her face or done crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah it wasn't. It oh, wasn't God. that fun. I, I can't imagine that fucking working at that. And you got you got brothers and sisters. Yeah. How many? Brother and sister. Yeah. Yeah. What do they do? My brother works in human resources Unclear. at uh, Microsoft. Oh, so that's fairly specific. Yeah, that's real. That's fairly really specific. You kind of know what he does. And uh, my sister, <laughs> she used to be a teacher. Yeah. She was a teacher in uh, New York. She lived in New York for a bit, and then. Uh, now she's not a teacher anymore. She's she's trying to set up a, a nonprofit for uh, young black kids, like yeah. young black men, uh, like yeah. programs like that. So that's what she's working on now. Well, that's a noble undertaking. Yeah, it's very noble. Someone's got to do something good. I might do some stuff like that when I'm mature. Yeah, <laughs> when you got a lot of money, maybe give a little something back. Yeah, but you could. I was thinking because I was I was at the, I went to the BET Awards yesterday. Yeah. And Steve Harvey uh, got the humanitarian award. Of course, and, he did. He's been he's been lobbying for that for years. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, you know, does all these things. And I was like, I need to do something like that and be and be nice or, or, or give something back. And then I like, I can't do it now because I don't I don't have much. But you can you can give your time or give stuff. But so what did you come up with? Did you come up with any plans? I don't. I didn't come up with any plans. I have uh, not yet. I'll help kids learn stand-up comedy no, no that's horrible no, no that, that might help uh no nah, so should. the bet awards what, yeah what the hell is that like it was an interesting did show did you win man. one no i didn't I did wasn't, you? i'm not nominated oh i'm sorry i thought you were black i, I apologize i, I am i am black man <laughs> but you know what i'm still i have 95 percent of the people that buy tickets to my shows are white uh-huh i'm just starting to have black <laughs> yeah. people come to my show i have to do a reverse crossover what do, you, what do you now see that's it's an interesting topic that I did you know that I didn't want to necessarily bring up yeah because I got like recently I was talking to Dwayne Perkins and I got an email about Dwayne Perkins and then the email was sort of like why do you got to make it about skin color why can't you just talk about the riffs I'm like yeah. I think he was talking about it he was talking about being black it's in my it, neighborhood yeah. like there's this idea that that you know we're not supposed to acknowledge yet yet yeah. it defines a lot of who people are sometimes. Mm-hmm. But that's an interesting thing about your audience, as you're saying, is that that isn't necessarily what defines you. No. I mean, I just talk about whatever. Yeah. It's some race stuff, but for the most part, I just talk about what I want to talk about. Right. Yeah. But it, and that's a, that's a unique thing. Do you think that, in, in a sense, that that separates you from a lot of black comics? 
I don't. I or don't, you don't think about it. I don't think. I just do what I do and right. hope that people laugh and want to tell their friends about it and see it again. I don't. Why really do you think, think so about many it. white people come? As opposed well, to for one, people. I perform in front of more white audiences. <laughs> Just in general? <laughs> yeah, in general. I, 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 in Chicago, I performed in more, because after I lost, like, the city took my car because I had a bunch of parking tickets. Sure. They put a boot on it? They put a boot on it. Oh, that's it. the worst morning, yeah, man. Yeah, that's you embarrassing. Wake up, you wake up, that morning's a shitty morning. Yeah, and everybody on your block sees that yeah. it's a boot on it's your like car. It's like a scarlet A. Like your car just fucked someone's wife. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh... So after I lost my my car, the, it was easier to get to the white rooms in Chicago than the black rooms because the black rooms were on the south side, and you would have to is the the public transportation is is tough. But for the north side, it was easier to just take two buses to get to an open mic. So it really is about this was this this changed the trajectory of your audience. <laughs> Maybe uh, <laughs> early on, I was doing all of them at the time. Like I would just perform. I tried to perform wherever I could, but I think early on that. But you know, even without that. I think that when I first started, white crowds responded. They responded better to, to why, what I was doing. Why do you think that is? I mean, I mean, I don't like this is a whole world of uh, like people ask me why I don't have black people on or why I don't have more black people on. Is that it's a different world? Yeah. I mean, it's a different world of comedy. Uh -huh. I mean, I don't even know how to get in touch with some dudes. Yeah. You know, and and in terms of playing black rooms, I might have played one mm -hmm. in New York. And I, my, I had my experience, but I don't know what that, what, what your experience is. What's the difference? I don't know. Well, this is a story. I remember one time I did this room when I first started, and uh, it was a black room, and I bombed. And in the bathroom, there was this other comic. Yeah. And he said, "You got good material, man, but you got to yell at these motherfuckers." <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. his only advice. <laughs> Just yell at these motherfuckers, yeah. man. Yeah. And did you try that? <laughs> No, I didn't try that. I didn't. Uh, you didn't experimenting with uh, yelling at him. Nah, yeah. it was. It is, and I've gotten weird intros at at black clubs. Yeah, where the the, the host is trying to be helpful, but it's kind of patronizing, or it's just weird for for me and the audience where they say, "Okay, all right, everybody, this next guy, this guy, you got to listen to him. <laughs> he got some smart stuff." You gotta listen to him. <laughs> this guy's good, man. Yeah. All right, Hannibal Burris. All right. So, so what, what but it's they? like I don't think I'm doing this crazy, high-minded comedy. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. think that it's is too is next level. Where it's you know I'm. Uh, but that's how they went. That's how I got intro. You what? gotta listen to this guy. You know he. You know what I'm saying? He's saying some stuff. So yeah. just be quiet and listen to him. Well, I think that's interesting about uh, expectation. Yeah. I think I think that what that speaks to more than anything else is that even in in white clubs or certain clubs you go to, you know, when they start doing the bells and whistles or bringing you up to music, or it's like, come on, everybody, give it up, let's get, give yeah. yourselves. A, if I have a host that's sitting there like, give yourselves a round of applause, shut up, yeah, yeah just yeah. shut up, let the fucking thing evolve at its own pace. Yeah, I think certain environments have a certain pitch that they operate at, so they're just trying to like say, this is different, mm -hmm. we're gonna change speed a little bit, but it makes you feel like you're like, I yeah. don't know how to. Yeah, know. like I'm the special kid at the comedy. But I imagine, <laughs> yeah, but I imagine that given your pace, you've had to you, you've had to wait a bit for people to come around. Even, I mean, that's every, if a crowd doesn't know me, I could, I could feel it where it might be a few minutes in and then they, they kind of, Cause on board, right? The guys like you, people have got to sort of you. They've got to come to you. You're not yeah. going to change up to go reach out to them and then drop back into your pace. Yeah. But you know, I've learned just from performing a bunch how to be able to speed it up and kind of attack a crowd a little bit and yeah. slow down. So that's 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 happened with with time. Just learning with different gigs. Like I approach a, a outdoor gig at a festival different than I approach performing at ucb oh, because yeah, you course. know outdoors you got to speed up your pace and the really? laughs aren't gonna be yeah. right you find that like but in a theater gig you sort of got to slow the, down a theater gig you slow down and let the laughs hit a little bit yeah walk around a little more yeah you know what i mean just I, the small I gotta, things i gotta figure a theater is great for you theater is fun dude i do a, a few things i open for aziz i'm sorry uh-huh a lot and he does theaters and so those are those are fun, dude. Yeah. That's easy work. It's twenty minutes. They already minute, comedy fans, right? And it's only twelve minutes of your material. Yeah, a twenty minute set in a theater, and then you know, and that, that's a bunch of new fans. And then when I go back to those cities a, as a headliner, my shows do kind of well. So that's a lot of fun with theaters. Who were some of the dudes you started out with in Chicago? Chicago, uh, Kumail was uh, okay. Uh, Pete Holmes, uh -huh. uh, T.J. Miller, oh, Nick yeah. Vatterot, uh 
Uh, yeah. Those so your crew is like, doing all right. Yeah, doing all right. Yeah, doing all right. And and where are you like where where are you writing now? I'm not writing anymore. What happened there? I was at Thirty Rock, then I I didn't. Uh, you started I, SNL though. I was at SNL. I know we talked about a little of this on the on the live one, but I don't remember where we went with that. So you're in New York. When did you move to New York? How long have you been doing comedy? I've been doing comedy for nine years since when, '02. Since in the, okay. And then I moved to New York once in '06 for about four months. What that's, happened? That's uh, New York kicked me out. <laughs> yeah, they spit you out. It spit me out. I, I came with no money. I came with like two hundred dollars. Uh huh. What, what were you thinking? What I was don't the, know. I was, was just plan? wanted to. The plan was I was going to take New York by storm with my jokes about pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> you figured they'll know what I'm talking Dude, about. You know what I'm saying? I gotta get the hick. Like I didn't plan it. I just really that was my focus. I just wanted to go there and do stand up. I stayed with my sister for a little. I just kind of popped up. I talk about this on stage. Where I just popped up. And uh, I was really self self absorbed, and I didn't even call her to tell her I was coming. Yeah, and she had a uh, she had a daughter at the time. Uh-huh. She still has a daughter. Yeah, uh, <laughs> she, didn't get, she didn't get rid of the daughter. She didn't get rid of the daughter. She was you know she had husband and daughter. Yeah, and I just pop up like you live in New York. I can stay here too. Now. Yeah, yeah. I just want to do yeah. comedy. I got two hundred dollars. Let's do this, <laughs> so I can do open mics. <laughs> and they you... kicked me out after two weeks. Really, and I was pissed, but it was they were in the right. I was totally wrong. But isn't that amazing about comics? How selfish we are. It's like everybody's on board with my dream. Yeah, you on board, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> You're you, my sister. Yeah, you got an extra bedroom. <laughs> yeah, let me stay in it. Well, why they kick you? Yeah. They just, I mean, they didn't know when it was going to end. There they, was no- I don't know. I mean, they would leave in town actually, and then they just were like, "You can't stay here while uh while we're gone." Really? Yeah. Now, <laughs> how did you take that? Did you? I uh, took it horribly, then, because I was thinking, "What am I gonna do?" I should have just went back home. Were you pissed I, off at her? I was super pissed, dude. <laughs> I was super pissed. And this, this is what I tried to do. Uh, she, they, they, they had a flight. It was a Friday morning. They had a flight, and so I tried to. Uh, I stayed out Thursday, mm-hmm. Thursday night, and just yeah. tried to stay out. Yeah. and see, and pass their flight time. So you still had the key? Yeah, so I still had a key. And yeah. then I came in about 11 yeah. or something Friday morning. morning. And she stayed. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't take her trip? She didn't take. She just got a different flight. Because she knew you were doing that? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. You guys all right now? Yeah, we're cool now. I realized that I was obnoxious, dude. And I just really Did you have it out with her, though? Did she tell you? Did she? We never really had it out. I mean, I stayed in New York a few more months, and during that time, I think she lent me money, and I would get mail there, So we, but I was just crashing around. I stayed in hostels. I crashed on the train a bunch. It was just, it was a mess. Wait a minute. You were sleeping on the train? Yeah, I slept on the train a lot in New York. What are you talking about? I'm talking about... You're one of those guys that would get on and just ride back and forth? Yeah, I ride back and forth. I'm very familiar with the Coney Island stop. <laughs> Is that the best one to sleep on? No, it's just the end of the F train. <laughs> <laughs> so that's when you have to switch trains. So wait a minute. You had a plan. Now, what what were your parents doing with with all this? They, they, I mean, they would send me money and stuff. I'm sure they wanted me to come back, but I was also 23, so you can't make me do anything. So I just the, wanted to be that man. So you're like, fuck it, I'm doing it? I was like, fuck it, I'm doing it, yeah. So now tell me how one ends up sleeping on the train. What's that first choice like? I mean, you, uh, so you're staying at your sister's. That didn't yeah. work out. So then you're staying at a hostel, but then you run out of money. Yeah, and I stayed at a couple other hostels, uh, and then sometimes and I would crash. Are nasty hostels were. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. The hostels I stayed at weren't that bad. You I ever, remember, did you ever stay at the Y? No. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, it so was, how much is a hostel? Twenty. Twenty, twenty-five, thirty a night. But there's a few cats in the room. There's a uh, yeah. There's a few other people in the room, depending on. Did you ever get shit stolen? I didn't have shit for people to steal. <laughs> <laughs> you beat the system. <laughs> so, so tell you me about steal my dreams. <laughs> it sounds like they almost did. So wait, all right. So then, okay. So you run out of money, and then you're going to decide to sleep on the train. What it wasn't it? The, the. I think I was just. I what? mean, I might have had an open mic, and I was like, okay, I guess. Uh, no, I don't have a place to crash. I guess I just sleep on the train. And so that was the, the first time. I don't remember Come on, exactly dude. the it's first a, time was. But that's a big transition to make. Yeah, you know, from like you know, I'm going to sleep in a bed. To where, you know, to knowing that you got a sister in town and you can go back to Chicago to sleeping on the train many times. Yeah. That's a big decision to make. I guess so. It Where'd was you a take a shower? Decision. Where'd you eat? What the hell did you do? You weren't eating out of garbage or nothing, right? No, I wasn't eating out of garbage. I mean, I would, you know, I don't know, get a couple dollars for pizza or something. Yeah. Or, or, uh, I mean, I had some cash. And, and the cops, they never bothered you? 
I don't remember the cops bothered the cop. Uh, not the cops never bothered me. But sometimes I'm the train. To, I would try to crash in the Starbucks. I would buy a coffee and try to crash in the Starbucks so in Times Square on Forty Second Street. Uh. And then they'd come wake me up like you can't sleep in here. Like, well, your coffee is shitty. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I going to sleep? I just had a cup of your coffee. I can't believe you did that. I've never talked to anybody that has uh, made that big of a commitment. <laughs> that made that silly of a choice. It was no, just, I mean, you must not have had any friends in town. I mean, where was Kumail? Not that many. I'm, uh, I don't, was Kumail there? I don't know if Kumail was there yet. But I feel like we should call Kumail and ask him why the hell he didn't let you sleep at his Kumail house. Wasn't, Kumail wasn't in New York yet. Okay. Uh, I, had some, I mean, I didn't have any good friends there yet. And you, and you know, in New York, people are super protective of their space man especially it's not if they much don't space know yeah it's not much space i mean i had a couple friends that I, I had i would crash with for a few nights and then i would hook up with some girls just yeah. to crash with them and shit nice like but so what was the uh the, the moment where you realized you had to go home it was just when i mean you, it was four just, months man you really like, needed sweep so you took the train to chicago yes yeah. <laughs> <So> i took <laughs> a long train to chicago <laughs> My feet were all weird and shit, man. It was I, I just had it was just like exhausted uh, and mentally exhausted. But I, you know, during that trip, that's when I got uh, new faces from for Montreal. Montreal. I auditioned for it in New York, and I ended up getting it. Like I found after out after you went home. After I went home, I found what, out. Did you go it. home like beaten? I mean, uh, were you like fuck it? Yeah, I was pretty. I mean, it was. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of rough. So then that thing came, and you were like, "I'm in the game." It was. I thought that that would make me a working stand-up. Yeah. I thought that would take me from that. I just thought I didn't know. I didn't think it would make me a star, but I thought that it would make it so it I, could just, I could just uh, work only doing stand-up. And did it? No. <laughs> I got management. Right. And then I got a gig at the Comedy Factory. What was it? Comedy Factory in uh in in Holland. Mm -hmm. In Holland. Yeah, it was a TV gig. So you go from sweeping on the train, going back to Chicago, my fucking dream is crumbling. Bang, you got Montreal. You're mm -hmm. like, this is it. I'm going to be a working comedian now. Yeah. No, no, but we got you a TV show in Holland. Yeah, to, to perform. So that was really, that was, and that was, yeah, November of 06. And did, uh, so you flew there, you did, who else was on that show? Morgan Murphy did it with me. Uh, did you know any of these people before? I mean, once Montreal happened and once that happened, is that when you started to meet the other cats? And, and yeah, I mean, I met some people in New York during that first thing. But yeah, Montreal, I, I started meeting people. Morgan Murphy, I think, did New Faces when I did it. Uh huh. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was on uh, the the Holland thing. Butch Bradley was on it. Yeah. A couple other. Howard Kramer was right. out there. Did you see him here? You guys friends? Uh, I haven't seen him here. I see him sometimes. We do when we do UCB. I'll see him. Shit, I got. Yeah. I just remembered. I got to email him. Um, all right. So then, okay. So you come back from Holland, and things are better. Things are a little. I mean, I started getting some feature work, I guess, and featuring in the Midwest, but just still working, doing. And you're still living in Chicago. Still living in Chicago with, with my folks. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a hard one, huh? Yeah, but. It wasn't. It wasn't that rough. Were I, you in your old room? Yeah, <laughs> I was fine with that. <laughs> just a place. It's yeah. a place to chill in, in between. <laughs> yeah. In between open mics. <laughs> yeah, but you're still committed. And at that time, are your parents like maybe you ought to rethink this. Maybe you ought to go back to school. Uh, no, not really. They never voiced that to me. Oh, I yeah. think they saw that I really wanted to do it, so they never. They never really said anything discouraging so, towards comedy. What was the big shift then that you know kind of sealed the deal the that made made you realize that you're 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 going? No, you know what? I think after that, I knew I kind of knew, and it was after a few years in. I didn't know what it would be, but I kind of knew that I'd make a living either performing or writing stand up. I didn't know if I'd be a, a star or if I if I'd be huge, but I knew that it, at the least I would make a living at this a few years in. Yeah. So I just I didn't, I didn't know when exactly it happened, but I knew I'd make a living. Who were your guys growing up? I mean, who were the guys that had the most influence on you comedically? Well, I I really didn't get into stand up until I started doing stand up. That's when I got into it heavily. So then I bought Richard Pryor, yeah. uh George Carlin, Chris Rock, I bought those DVDs. Yeah. Chappelle. Yeah. Just bought all those those yeah. DVDs. Just yeah. to see, yeah. Uh, just I was just buy I was just buy books, all these books about how to do stand up and You did? 
I bought the Judy Gold book. Oh, really? She'd yeah. be happy to hear that. The comedy. He had yeah. a comedy Bible. <laughs> yeah. That's how I learned what an act out was. Because <laughs> she had every joke needs to have an attitude. <laughs> this is Judy Gold? This is Judy Gold. And, and I was, you know, I read that book like, whoa, this is great. Because it help me, you? Like, I think it helped early on. Yeah. Early on with writing. Yeah. Just you need one little thing just to. Because like to me, you just seem like a guy that kind of organically came into his own shit and just kind of did his own thing. But you were actually worried about it because I never, I never read any books. Yeah, I read a lot of books and just would read, look online for anything. Did anything help comedy. you that you can remember tangibly saying like, okay, this is a fucking key here? I don't, I don't remember anything specific, but I think in the time, like then, yeah. eight, eight years ago, seven years, I think some of it did, did help me, man. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I would just, I don't do it as much anymore, but I would freeform write sometimes, and I think just writing. Yeah. In general, just, you don't. Oh, you don't freeform write anymore? Nah, not really. Just where well, you just write anything and yeah, just see oh, what. Keep going. Yeah, nah, yeah, yeah. I haven't done that in a while. Maybe I should start. I don't write as much as I as I'd like to. What's your process on joke writing? Now it's kind of I'll see something happen and I'll try it out on stage and try to figure it out. Especially right. if I have a a club week, then I can kind of hammer do, it together. hammer it together over a few shows. Or I, I I do still write some stuff while I type it in the computer and then yeah try to try to remember it and try it out but i don't i don't write as much i think every com- most comedians don't think they write as much as they should but i don't uh like i don't write jokes you know yeah. I, write, I write ideas and then i i end up talking things through i talk things I, I talk a lot of things through on the podcast and then they get to my head and then i just gotta see how it, how it unfolds on stage yeah and then find new shit in it yeah i always find new shit in it yeah it's easy to yeah you just keep doing that's it that's the best part about it and then oh you write something and you get away from you might look at back at something in a year and you got a oh yeah new perspective there it is kind of bring it out again yeah get that thing back up on the uh on the lift yeah fix that thing so how did the uh, snl thing come about snl happened because i did a set on, on late night with jimmy fallon yeah they hit me up the day before somebody got sick and then uh and they invited me to perform i came in the next day and did it and i was just doing it i was just hoping that that'll help my club gigs or whatever you and just did a stand-up set did a stand-up set yeah and uh then they uh they they called me in to meet a couple weeks later and uh at the end of the meeting offered me a job you met with lauren i met with seth myers and steve Higgins. you didn't meet with lauren no i guess you don't have to meet with lauren if you're not going to be on camera <laughs> i think most people do meet with lauren a little bit but i don't know if this was a different situation i'm sure he had approval or, but i think most of the writers do you were a special case i don't know what i don't know what was it so you didn't was. have to deal with any of that weirdness that sounds like the easiest snl meeting <laughs> i've ever fucking heard in my life they were pretty chill man. i didn't even know but you know i didn't even know that they were offering me a job i, I thought it was a general meeting at yeah. first and i didn't want to do it yeah because general meetings are weird yeah because you're just sort of like okay <laughs> yeah, great. yeah yeah this is my story they yeah. always ask you that what's your story <laughs> how'd you start in stand-up yeah uh, but yeah so uh yeah they just offered me the gig at the end man <laughs> that's fucking nice yeah and you worked there for a while and then you worked there for you, a season and then how'd you get pulled up to uh to uh 30 rock to 30 rock i somebody recommended me to meet with them and then i, I sent over some of my sketches that didn't make it to snl yeah and uh i met with tina and robert carlock and then they offered me a job a couple weeks later how was tina was she nice tina was nice yeah how long did you work there just a season this past season and why'd you stop uh just because i think i just wanted to do more stand-up i want to do more stand-up and try to figure my own thing out yeah how's that going it's going all right i mean it's only been a couple months i've been i've been i've been just traveling a bunch that's pretty interesting that, you know, because a lot of dudes, they, you know, they get the writing gig. It's easy to get stuck in that. Also, I'm not cocky enough to think that they would have 100% had me back. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you pulled out, but that wasn't the reason you left. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. That was I mean, the reason. Some dudes, like, you know, they, they you get a writing gig, you can just keep that going. It's yeah. It's living. Yeah, it's a, no, it's a, it's But nice. it doesn't sound like you know what to do with money anyways. The last time I saw you, you didn't even have a bed, I think. I got a bed now, mm-hmm. man. That, that was, uh, I got everything together with my place. I had a <laughs> subletter for a little bit because I'm traveling a bunch. Am I wrong? Am I making something up? The last time I, in New York, I think I saw you and you were like, I didn't, you had a girl that maybe helped you get a bed or something? No? Yeah, so if you said that I don't have it, that's actually being extremely frugal then. <laughs> 
Well, no, I, no, I understand, but I mean, you would think you'd buy it, but I'm just saying yeah, yeah, that there's no. some dudes, even they have money, they might be sleeping on the train again. <laughs> be one of those guys. Be rumored to be rich and sleeping on the train. Hey, no, I, uh, no, the place is together. My apartment is together and and, and it's doing well. I got, okay. I got a TV, a couch, <laughs> internet, okay. wireless internet. Well, that's right. I sent you something. Did that thing ever work out? That game, the, the, the cards, the video. Yeah, I, the the game fly. I never yeah. ended up using oh, yeah. it, but I did appreciate that you sent it pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. It's I tough know. mailing stuff, man. Yeah, you got to go to a post office. <laughs> you got to write on the envelope. <laughs> so now, when you go out, because I see that you're doing pretty big tours, where do most of the people coming? Are you selling out? I'm selling out when I do uh, music venues. Like when I do a one night, I sold out uh, Philly, like a hundred, twenty five, hundred fifty. Uh huh. Uh, Boston, a couple hundred. Vancouver, like three hundred. Where are most of those people seeing you? I don't know if it's through the net or they see me open fuzzies oh, or okay. they through Thirty Rock. I think it's a mixture of a lot of stuff online. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think yeah, like online press maybe. I don't know. And they're, but they're coming. People are starting to come and a Dima made you a nice poster. Dima made a beautiful poster. He's really good, man. I love that guy. Yeah. Yeah, he does all my posters. Yeah, he's really good. And uh, so what happened? Now, let's talk about that Indiana thing. That's kind of interesting. It was just... I, it but you was, said several people walked out on you. Several people did walk out. Just at the end. Like, I don't know if I was going long, but people just started bouncing. <laughs> were you doing well? Some of the shows were going well. Some of them were just so-so. Yeah. Yeah. But now I, I, I'm starting to learn as a headline just how to power through. Yeah. Because the show can, you can have a set where you're killing it for 20 minutes and then all of a sudden, boom, they just turn off. Yeah. And you just got to ride it out. Ride it, ride it out, finish that see, time. See get, if you can hook them back in. <laughs> see, I try to. I try to, you know, turn it up a little bit. But uh -huh. Sometimes you just got to coast on that, on that, <laughs> on that first 20. <laughs> Coast on their apathy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a great feeling. It's not, but you. It's not the worst thing in the world. Do you it's ever? Just, I turn on them a little bit. I don't turn on them, but I was just in uh, in Canada, and I had a couple a couple moments where they were just you know chaos. You know, yeah. it was just chaos, and there was no way that I was gonna let them just chatter and fucking. Because sometimes when they get quiet or they lose their yeah. train of thought, they start talking. Yeah. Do you ever? I mean, how do you handle it? I I mean if a table starts talking I'll say what are y'all talking about cuz I can I can hear you. So I try to get in it. Get in it and and just try to you know reengage yeah. the audience cuz that's what one thing was happening there where I don't know if it was cuz the service were talking to people or getting orders but it's a mixture of that and all, people talking in their yeah, own yeah. things and so it was shows where the the, the crowd never felt like one group and it just felt like it felt like work. <laughs> like it felt, sometimes it just feels like you're just doing your thing and then sometimes it's like damn this is work yeah, I feel yeah. like I'm on comedy punishment right yeah, now like yeah, people yeah. say hey you've been having too much fun dude yeah. Indianapolis for you <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's, it's horrible and it just feels like babysitting and you're not doing anything that different Yeah, but they just can't fucking pay attention uh, it's uh ah damn it yeah, I'm see. I'm getting angry for you. <laughs> so now let's talk about this. Uh, the all right. So you're at the uh, the BET Awards. Yeah. Now have you done have you done any black rooms lately? I did uh, Mo Better Mondays last time I was in LA. We're over at the Improv. At the Improv, yeah. And what what is the what is the response? The response was okay. It wasn't like it was. It went all right. Like now, I think early on when I would do black rooms, I still didn't. I didn't have any chops either, so I wasn't confident but right. now even if it's not going that well i can i can kind of act like i'm not I, I can do my set like i'm doing great <laughs> is, but is there a difference between a black audience and a white audience <clears throat> there, I, there's a difference but i can't it's not something i can really verbalize i don't i don't i mean i guess i don't know i mean sometimes like in with a black crowd there's a lot of value put to just being a really good performer you mean having animated energy, and having having energy there's a lot of uh right values like you they want you to fucking but what sometimes with i mean not to say that they paid crowd, their money yeah, yeah. you know they, like put on a show performing and just kind of yeah hard and just really yeah it's, they, they're kind of notorious for being tougher crowds yeah i mean it was my feeling that you can't really show 
Not in general, you can't show fear on stage, but they're not going to indulge any sort of half-baked yeah. shit. Yeah. Or or you kind of, you know, being insecure, bailing it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's none of that. You can maybe get away with talking about one-bit bombing, but yeah. once that other one, they'll <laughs> shut down. Or, yeah, and that, that'll happen where they'll just shut down. Yeah, and and you can't do any. It, you could do your best stuff, but it'd be like, nah, we didn't like those first two things, so it's over for you. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it's done. There's this club in Chicago, Jokes uh, and Notes. Yeah, it's an all black club, and I worked there. Last time I worked there, it was I would it would be two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, and yeah. I did Friday show, crushed it, and a second show Friday, same stuff, bomb. No. Really? Same material. Like, like, I don't whole, know. like a full bomb, like a half hour bomb? Well, no, not even a half They will cut you short. Like you, Oh, really? Yeah, they'll cut you. Like I had, is the, uh, they, they, the, the the host told the DJ to turn, they started turning the music up on me lightly. Oh. On a, and I'm, that's some open mic <laughs> shit. That's not, this is, uh, this is a weekend show where it's a host <laughs> feature headline. And you were featuring? And I was featuring. <laughs> And they turned the music up lightly on a three-act show. They turned up the music on one of the acts. How That's many, crazy. How far into the set? That, <laughs> that was like, I mean, it was, I wasn't at my time yet, but it yeah. was going horribly. <laughs> but Just nothing? Yeah. It was It was light laughs. It's just a different, yeah. Uh, do you find now when you deal with, because uh, I know there's a black comic community so, as much as there is a comic community yeah. in any clickish way. Do you find that they know who you are? I think they're starting to know who I am. Like I, when I, yeah, they know who I am because of the writing stuff. They, right, they heard of me and 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 know about me a little bit. And what what's the what's the reaction? I, I mean, they people seem cool. The yeah. ones that I met and like back home in Chicago, guys are, are pretty cool. And, yeah, and yeah. Because I think that there's a the the one thing I noticed that there's definitely a more and I, I'm not I'm trying not to get myself in any sort of generalization here. But it, it seems that with with black comics and also with black performance that there's a much more conscious uh, competitiveness. Yeah. That, you know, even when I, I watched that uh, that Shaquille O'Neal thing with uh, D-Ray and uh, Kevin, little Kevin, and yeah. uh, who else was on there? Ari Spears. Mm-hmm. That, you know, backstage there was just sort of like, you're going, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. beat you. You're not, I'm going to win here. Yeah. And did you feel any of that? Because uh, I, I actually wish there was more of that outwardly yeah. in the white comedy community. Because we just sit and fester about it and pretend like we're not competing with each other. Right. Whereas yeah. that just seems that in the black community, I think it comes from hip hop too. Yeah. That there was just this idea that you're going to top the other guy. Yeah. I mean, I just I that's how I feel when I when I go on a show. I want to be the best on the show. I yeah. Think everybody does. But yeah, you're right. It's not as uh. There's no open sort of communication about yeah. it. We're all just being polite because we're all so fucking different. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, well, he does what he does, and I do what I do. So <laughs> there's no real way to judge us as the same thing. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Did I just say that? <laughs> I'm just setting myself up for trouble. Because I mean, in my own mind, I do I do that thing where it's sort of like, uh, you know, some of these jokes aren't going to like totally kill because that's not what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes you ever have a guy... Like you doing a, a free show or some small show, and some guy's lighting it up before you. And yeah. You're like, God damn it! I gotta work now. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> that is the worst. Yeah, that is the worst. I gotta, I gotta work at this free. I gotta really work to get the audience now, cause this dude just lit it up. Oh right? yeah, when you got a middle that's gonna hand you your ass, because that's it. That's part of the payback, man. Yeah, that's exciting though to to have because that keeps you keeps you sharp and you want to really hit it. Yeah, but there's a I think that's too loud up there. There there's a moment there though when you because uh, I've done that as a middle, you know, and I know the feeling. But there's sometimes you ever had that moment where you're like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna win this one. <laughs> that's as a headliner. That's just where, where you know there was oh god, you just know yeah that you're gonna do your shit. But that that was the set of the night. They're gonna be like, they're gonna say you should have been. The- yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah. Me, when I was featuring, you should have been the guy. Yeah. And you, so now I know they say that's about. It's gonna come sometimes. back at you. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst. But you wish you could explain to them that the feature that's the sweet spot on the show and it's an easy spot and they don't have check drops and. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be saying that as a headliner. <laughs> you don't want to say that, yeah. but yeah, like, okay. Given how tough it is, yeah. like with these with these stipulate <laughs> with these yeah, extra yeah. details. <laughs> 
No. Now what do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> right. Well, he, you know, he had a good set, but he only had to do twenty-five. <laughs> now I'm up there doing the, the full fifty, and yeah, got a check drop. <laughs> you can't say you can't say that. Shit, no, though. it hasn't happened in a while, but and some of it happens inside of you. Yeah. You know, sometimes, like, even if they get bigger laughs, that, you know, you're still you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It says, I don't know. Now I'm rationalizing. Because there's a <laughs> one spot this weekend that. <laughs> no, let's go. Where you, so, what, uh, what do you, what do you uh, really want to do that you haven't done? Right. I just want to, I want to put out an hour special. Yeah. And uh, just keep touring. I want to hopefully do theaters in two or three years, start doing theaters. So, and- what's the model for you? Like, Louie? Louis, yeah, Louis, yeah, that's it right now. Just because those guys are really the ones out there, really working and, and turning over material and, and selling, you know. Yeah, what I mean? and yeah. what do you, uh, you, you, you auditioning for TV or what? I have, uh, I did some audition. Audition for this one pilot, and they flew me out to test for it. And yeah. I came out and tested with the cast, but I didn't get it. But I, I've been auditioning for some stuff, and I think I'm gonna come to LA next year or er- early next year for for pilot season for. A month or two yeah see see what happens go run around go run around hopefully develop my own thing and figure out a show idea and yeah yeah pitch that's that around right and what's it you've done letterman I've done letterman yeah and you did conan uh no haven't done conan you're doing uh you're doing kimmel doing kimmel and you done fallon done fallon lopez ferguson oh you did uh you did lopez yeah how was that lopez was fun yeah went well yeah that was good it's a big room it is a really big room, and it, it's the. I but mean, I think it's the most, the, the closest to an actual live comedy performance than the oh, yeah? late nights. It's because the crowd is close to you. Yeah. So if I mean it's a, it's like a big club, but they're right there, and it's sort of like you play. Oh, it doesn't feel like a studio. Yeah, you play in the crowd. So. How'd you like that Ferguson thing? There's twelve people there. Was he even around when you did it? He said good good have a good set and, and then he, left and then left yeah yeah that's right it's like hey man it's it's five minutes have a seat <laughs> <laughs> did you say it no nah, i didn't say that <laughs> that was my first time on tv so it's a hot audience was, yeah yeah it went well it was yeah, fun they're all jacked up yeah i don't know man that was uh, that was the weirdest experience i ever had like, why, why why won't he stay there i don't know what the deal is i i think he doesn't you know i don't because it's not I think what the reason is, honestly, I mean, there's no reason why he can't just watch with the audience or sit there. And Everybody say, else does. Right. But <laughs> but the, they use it like radio. See, like he can't outro you because they just want to have these comics, you know, sets to drop in wherever the hell they want. Yeah. So, you know, so he don't know what he's going to be wearing. Uh-huh. You know, like they, they don't, sometimes they'll tape you and they don't have a plan where it's going to go. They just know that like, well, we got five minutes here. Let's use that comic set. They, they did mine day of though. Well, that's bullshit. See that? I don't. <laughs> you got mistreated over there. I would think I would. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. like why don't you? It's five minutes, Craig. Just hang out for a little it bit. It was a show. little. It was a little weird. So it you, is weird because you just. I'm just waving on the fade out. Like, yeah. thank you, everybody. Yeah, I had that everybody moment. else comes over and shake your hand. Right. Thank you for being on my show. <laughs> yeah, I definitely noticed that when I did it. That yeah. I, you're sort of like thank you, and then you just stand there. Yeah, and the camera just pulls out. Yeah, it went well though. Yeah. How'd yours go? I think it went well. It was yeah. my first time over. I mean, I, I look at it now like, oh, I was kind of stiff and uncomfortable. But and when are you doing Kimmel tomorrow? Doing Kimmel tomorrow. And you got a set? I have a set. Yeah. And you keep doing different sets? Yeah, for the late nights. Yeah. Do you haven't repeated sets. anything? No, uh, not on late nights. I've done stuff on Comedy Central that I've done the long set on late nights. Yeah, but, but that's all right. The, none of the late nights on the half hour. Did I, you do an uh, hour? No, I haven't done a half hour, but just from kind of like John Oliver's show. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You haven't done a half hour yet? Nah. Are they going to give you one? Are they doing them still? No, nah, I didn't want... I kind of... I passed. Just waiting? The, yeah, I just decided to wait and, and see if they'll give me an hour just because that'll just give me time to perform more and get better. You got a plan, man. <laughs> I see the plan in place. <laughs> You're going to be the, the hour guy, the stand-up man. You just gotta, just, I just rather wait and, and just hit the road more and have you been offered other writing jobs uh i have yeah but hey. no i didn't take it oh dude it's <laughs> good for you i took one short job this yeah. just a quick thing like kind of just sending stuff in but no i i haven't taken any other staff jobs i i mean i respect it i mean it, it's hard to uh on some level it's hard to turn down you know union wage writing work yeah, it's nice man to to pursue <laughs> this crazy dream, yeah, but I don't think you're gonna sweep on any more trains. Nah, no, not more. because you have to. <laughs> nah, <laughs> no more. Tra- yeah, it'll be just straight up. Yeah, 
because you feel like fun. Yeah, <laughs> I want to sleep on a train. Now your parents are a little more uh, comfortable with everything. They're comfortable, man. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're proud of you. They're, 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 yeah, I got them a couple gifts and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Like what? Got them uh, last year. I got a flat screen. Oh good. Like, yeah, and then for Christmas I got them one of those Keurig coffee makers. Oh yeah, the ones that want the one cup. Oh yeah, single yeah, yeah, cup yeah, you yeah. put it in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's nice. It's so. It's, so they're like, he's doing all right. He's doing all right. Got us a, <laughs> got us a coffee maker. <laughs> but yeah. it's nice to be able to get them stuff after. You yeah. Know, yeah, yeah. After letting the, you live in there until you're thirty or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> How long was it? It was to twenty uh twenty five. How long was uh yeah, I left in oh eight, so yeah, twenty five. And did uh did you buy your sister a present? I I didn't. Mm-hmm. I bought my sister stuff before. I helped with her 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 thing her the non profit she's starting out. I helped with that. What does that mean? You go talk to the kids? No. I just <laughs> gave some money. <laughs> when are you gonna go talk to the kids, Hannibal? They haven't. It's still in the early stages, so they're they're only no kids. kids. So she's setting up the thing where she could ask for grants and just getting all of that. that all right, the early process. But you're gonna talk to the kids. <clears throat> I guess I talk to the kids. I just say some some yeah. bullshit. Just tell them that you, <laughs> can, you, you uh, kids, you can do anything you want to do. You just gotta focus and follow your passions, and don't let anybody tell you otherwise yeah and don't be afraid to sleep on a train don't, if you have to don't be able to <laughs> does anybody else sleep on trains besides performers like, like unnecessarily does people like yeah while i was working on my mba i slept on the train i was interning at goldman sachs and, and i slept on the train there's no f train where else for me to go <laughs> just holding on to my briefcase <laughs> I, I will wash my dress shirts <laughs> in the mcdonald's sink <laughs> it was tough times. All right, Hannibal. Good All talking right, to you, good man. Good talking with you, too, man. That's our show, Hannibal Buress. Uh, what else is going on? He's going to be at the Atlanta Punchline in Atlanta, 21st and 22nd. That's uh, Friday and Saturday. I'm going to be at, uh, at the Punchline in San Francisco, November 2nd through 5th, and at the Neptune Theater in Seattle, November 25th. I hope you go to WTFPod.com and kick in some shekels. Buy some new merch. We got some new Christmas merch coming. We got buttons coming. We got tote bags coming. We got the tote bag button sticker CD gift pack combo coming. I ain't pitching too hard, but, you know, this is how I earn a living now. This is my show. I'm glad you like it. Oh, God, that's it. There you go. Boomy. Boomy. Boomer. 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 Boomy. What? I think we got one out of him.